welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast is NAIA National Champion Southeastern University Head Coach Adrian Dinkle. Coach Dinkle was honored with the ABCA ATEC NAIA Coach of the Year Award. Southeastern broke the school record for wins with a 59-4 record. Fire had big-time numbers on offense and pitching with a 360 team batting average and a 325 team ERA. Gary Laura, Rob Adams, Brian Fuentes, and Abdel Guadalupe were named to the ABCA Rawlings All-American team. This was Southeastern's second national championship. They also took home the crown in 2018. Coach Dinkle has also had stops at Bethany, Clarendon College, and Sterling. Success has followed Coach Dinkle at every stop on his coaching journey. Let's welcome Coach Dinkle to the podcast. Here with Adrian Dinkle, head coach Southeastern, uh, 15th season coaching, heading into 16th season, but stops at Clarendon, Bethany, and Sterling, uh, NAIA national champs in 18 and now in, in 22. So Adrian, congrats, man, and, and thanks for jumping on with me. Appreciate you, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's pretty recent here, but have you had a chance to reflect? I know you got to get into recruiting and all the other stuff, but have you had a chance to just kind of sit down and, and mill over the season? Uh, a little bit. I think that since since we it was such a long month for us, I mean, you know, I think people don't understand a little bit. I think a lot to do with coaching this world. I mean, we started off on the road at the beginning of May, five days home for a day. Then I'm on the selection committee for the NEI. So then I was in Kansas city and then, then I was back and we were then in Indiana. Then we were in Idaho. So by the time I got home, the only thing I worried about was seeing my two kids and my wife. And so uh, <clears throat> reflect, obviously, then you, you, you were going, wow, it's awesome. We did it again. But I would say for me, it was just a little bit more sense of relief. Um, and you're kind of just relieved and relieved that you want it, but then you were relieved that you finally got to go home and see, and see, uh, see the kids and the wife. I mean, is that part of building a program? Are those the expectations that you're going to have a chance to win the national championship every year? It, and it is, and it's self-induced pressure, right? Nobody else is putting the pressure on you, um, but it, but it's wanted pressure. It's welcome pressure. I think that there's a few, not a few, there's probably more out there in the country than we think, but you've kind of set it up to where it's almost like you feel like, and, and it should, you shouldn't feel this way. You feel like if you don't win the last game of the year, um, that it's almost a failure uh, where you know, we get to the World Series, you know, four or five years in a row, and you're like, hey, if we don't win it, then we fail. 
that's not the case. The only one that really thinks that is you. Um, and that's kind of the pressure that you kind of put on yourselves when you feel like you've built that type of program. And there's other people who be listening to this podcast or people I talk to at the time, like, man, I just love to go to the world series. Yeah. Right. So, so it seems a little bit like, Hey, I need to check myself and, and catch my balances a little bit and understand that, Hey, dude, like no matter what happened in that situation, we had, a, we had a great year. Yeah. Did getting there last year help this year's team? different team but yeah i think that yeah i think that anytime you've been there before any player that you could bring along with you um definitely helps um i I do i think that it helps just because they understand the lay of the land what it's like to go put three guys in a room in a hotel um just the time change the whole thing there's more people besides myself and my coaching staff are telling these guys like hey listen like this is what you're going to deal with this is what it's all about and so it became a, a real smooth process Give your assistant some love. That they don't always get a lot of love, but give your assistant some love. Maybe I was like up before, um, but you've got you know you got Mike Mendoza and Eric Dahl. Um, those guys crushed it. I mean, Eric's been with me for my entire career, so people don't realize that Eric's been with me. And then obviously Mike's been with me for the last you know three years, and he crushes it as well. And then we had uh, Connor Daly um, came down, helped really helped out with our pitching staff this year from uh, from CV Top Valley Junior College up there in North Carolina. And then Austin James, the kid that played for us, was originally in Missouri. And those guys were, were a big help. I mean, especially with as much as I am on a lot of these national committees, uh, there's a lot more on those guys' plate to handle stuff at practice. And I think I say it all the time in my, every interview I'm in, people talk to me way too much. Um, those guys got, they did a ton for us. Um, and we obviously don't win that championship if it wasn't for those four. How is it being on the committees? I love it, believe it or not. And I did so too. I, I, I loved it also. I loved it. So I, I, you know, obviously on the coaching side, I really like the admin side. I enjoy the admin side of things. It's something, obviously, I think as I continue to move in my career, still young, I'm only 40, but as I continue to get down there, I would, I would love to, you know, kind of push into that, that type of role that, uh, you know, that the admin type role. So I, I, it's fun. I mean, it's enjoyment. You get to see what, you know, early when you were young and dumb as a coach, you only see in your side. And when you get on there, you're like, yeah, boys, like get mad. I had to come back to the office and they're screaming and yelling about what happened. I'm like, yeah, I got to see this side. And so I like it because I get to see what my ADCs and, what the NAIA sees, and so it's fun. I enjoy it. I mean, you had some guys had some monster seasons. Just, I mean, when you're looking at the stats, you hit 360 as a team. You had 140 doubles, 123 home runs, and also 107 stolen bases. But the team ERA was a 3.25. So, I mean, I just I, probably too many guys to mention, right? Like when you look up and down your stat line, it's like okay, gaudy numbers, gaudy numbers, gaudy numbers. Um, you know, and I know Fuentes kind of carried the load for you there down the stretch. Um, he did get a call, by the way, his junior year of high school, coming out of high school from Crystal, because he's from Crystal Lake, so Western yeah. Illinois. I did get a chance to call him. <laughs> it was interesting with the language barrier, um, just trying to communicate with him, but um, you knew he was going to be really good back then. He is. That kid is one of the best teammates, human beings, good players that I've ever coached. Um, and that's kind of why it's fun, but yeah, you know, the ultimate is the ultimate group, which is why we liked our team. Obviously it's really easy to like your team when you'll lose four times in a year. Right. But ultimately at the end of the day, they, these guys were unbelievable human beings. This is one of the best teams I've ever been around. Um, didn't have to remind them a lot. Um, you know, got on them a few times early, but you kind of, they just kind of handled their business. You had older guys like Abdel Guadalupe, which honestly was a program changer for us this year. Um, he's the guy who was with us in 19 in our world series and we had him in our COVID year. And he actually had to go home and take care of some stuff with family over COVID with some stuff. And we brought him back because, like I said, it's like my son. 
Um, and he came back with the whole different grown-up mentality. And he really honestly changed the way a lot of our guys think. But you had Gary Laura, Sam Faith. Um, you had a ton of those guys. And on the pitching side, they did it. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, you got good players, but you also have a good system in place with the coaching staff that did a pretty good job of limping and developing those guys. And I think that's one thing where we pride ourselves on, Ryan, is we go find really good players. Um, but we also want to develop those players when they get in our program. And we pride ourselves on seeing how much more we can develop them when they're here. I mean, what stuck out when he got back from, from break? I mean, you know, what, what stuck out about, okay, his maturity levels raised? He's an adult. He was a flat-out an adult. I mean, you've got kids, and you know how it is, man, when you wrestle. He's got kids come in, and they get mad about their bat and their helmet, and we get on the guys. You slam your helmet, you're gonna, we're going to sit you. Um, you drop language, we're going to sit you. We're just going to move to the next guy. He was the guy that every waking moment around the corner off the field was like, why are you getting so mad? Like, And he just had a constant professionalism about him, and he just – and you'll hear our guys at the end of the year and even our exit interviews, they're like the guy that changed the most for me besides your coaching staff was Abdel Guadalupe. He was just always on those guys about like, why are you getting so mad that you struck out? Like, you're going to have another at bat. And they're like, well, you know, this is why he's like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. And those, we explain it to him all the time. And it's just in one. He says it to him. Like, oh man, we got a player saying this. And he just, he fully got it. He would, they would see it. He'd go up there and have a bad at bat. You would, he would just walk in the dugout, set his stuff down and jump right on his teammates and go do it again. And you're like, and it just kind of bled over to a bunch of our guys, you know, like Isaac Nunez transferred from Florida, you know, played there as a freshman. And he said that that was the biggest thing to help him. He's like, once you guys stuck me in a room with him on the road, he's like, my game completely changed because he would just be in my ear all the time about, Hey man, what are you getting so mad for? Is this an average roster size for you? Is this normal roster size? Is it large? Is it small comparatively? It was to, large. to Larger. It, it was large. Yeah. Um, we're, and I told you before the call, you know, we're looking at Ross, trying to figure out a way to make it a little smaller. Um, it's tough to manage. Um, but when you're in a situation where, you know, golly, there's so many kids back in so many situations, it kind of, ultimately you got to find the right guys, but there's a lot of pressure on, you know, these players, coaches, whatever you got to do. But yeah, it was a much bigger roster size than we wanted. And it wasn't big compared to a lot, but it was still big compared to what I like. You know, it looks like four-year transfers and also JUCO transfers. I mean, it looks uh -huh. like that's the, the makeup of it. Yeah. I mean, how so nice is that to have four-year transfers coming in and guys that, that had good careers at other four-year schools coming in? It's nice to, to be able to rely on those guys. Right. That's the helpful part, right? If you're going to go get a kid that, you know, played at New Mexico and start a forum on a Saturday, right? It, you, there's a lot of experience that comes in and they, they get to see and you get kids that played at Indiana State with Fuentes and, and they have good careers. It is very helpful. Um, obviously get those JUCO kids that were signed division one that things one way or another didn't work out or they're on your campus, but that is helpful. Obviously you also have the guys that were beat dogs at some of these division one programs that are really good players. Uh, things just didn't go their way. And I know that dog eat dog world up there. Um, that when they get here, they get a little bit, you got to push a little bit more confidence into them. And those are the guys that are your game changers. Let's be, I mean, you know, yeah, Alex Monroe was our best bullpen arm. He was at Miami, uh, left-handed specialist for them. He comes out, you know, those guys call me over there from Miami, say, man, this kid's a good arm. Um, love him. He gets confident. He's going to be great. And that's what he does. He comes into a place and he was unconfident early, a lot of false confidence, gets confidence and blows up. And a lot of that has to do with those guys that were really good at that level continue to tell them, hey, you are really good. Yeah. Was it closer by committee? It looked like it was kind of spread out with save situations. I mean, is that by design or is it Always. just best available? 
always i don't ever never i've had a closer one year in my career uh, i don't we're gonna go if there's a guy that takes that job we're gonna take it if not we're gonna pitch because i don't believe in a closer in the eighth or the ninth if i gotta win a game in the fifth we're putting the guy on the mound that, that's just it we gotta win the game in front of us and the inning in front of us i can't wait we don't get you so it's always going to be that way if you look at our stats from the past it's hey man if i gotta put you out there in the sixth to go get two outs and that's all you got i'm gonna go get you to go get two outs and then we're gonna figure it out from there have you always done it that way? I mean, did you come in, like, for the last 15 years, has it been, okay, when we need to stop the other team, we're going to throw a guy in there, or did that develop over time? Developed over time. Obviously, young and dumb, right? You were like, hey, man, like, this is what they do on TV, yeah. right? They got a seventh, eighth, ninth inning, and then you start to realize real quick, we ain't very fortunate enough to most of us that we don't have a seventh, eighth, ninth guy. Um, we're going to just take the best guy and get him in. out. the time, you start figuring out, I mean, I got to win the game. So what do we got to do to win the game? We do it. And so it just kind of developed. You're like, hey, man, win the game. And we'll figure it out. And traditionally, you know, we've we've been very fortunate to have good offenses. So the more more zeros that we can put on the board, obviously, we feel like we create some separation in those games. Hopefully, we can create some separation in those games. And if we do that, then it changes. Did you face much adversity? You said it. You lost four games. I mean, you did lose to Faulkner twice there in the middle of the year, but you you ran off twenty six in a row to start the season. Like, was there any Kaiser, Kaiser twice? Kaiser, sorry. Yeah. Uh, did we face any adversity? Yeah, I think adversity for every game. And I'll say this, um, had some good teams. Um, this, you know, 20, the, the team that we had in 2020 was maybe one of the best teams we've ever had. And that team was like 26, 27 and one before COVID shut it down. But like this team was, I knew in a lot of those years, Hey man, like we show up, this is what's going to happen this year. Believe it or not, every game, I never knew with this team. I never knew if it was like, what's going to happen. And that, you know, it's crazy to think, man, what are you talking about? They lost four games. But you just never knew. The only thing you knew about this team was they were never, they didn't care. It was always so what. It really was a so what mentality for these guys, and they kind of ingrained it. And that was something we said early. The players bought it, so what. But, yeah, I think it was a lot of adversity almost every weekend. There was something with this team every weekend. If you go look at our scores, and we were down multiple times, 6 nothing, 7 nothing throughout the year, and then you don't, you just pull the thing up, and it looks like we 14-7. No, we were losing that game 7 nothing, and we won 14-7. to so it was like, what, what are we doing? And then you'd always hear somebody in the dugout go, all right, boys, time to wake up. And then a bunch of runs go on the board. I mean, is that something you can develop or is that just something that the players innately have? I think that's culture driven. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, and, I, and I know that people say, hey, they got a great culture, right? but I also believe culture changes year to year. Yeah. Um, but you also have the umbrella of your culture. And I do think that is guys have done a great job over these last six years of kind of building that into our program. They passed it along from player to player, right? I mean, we could talk all we want and say that's coach driven. No, that's player driven. Uh, bottom line is we, we set a foundation players do and the players have kind of driven that over our last six years. And there's other programs on the country that are the same way, but yeah, I think that's just culture driven. They're not, they understand that, Hey, we should win this game. Let's go. Yeah. Did you have to say much to them after you guys lost to Lewis and, and Clark in the world series? Not a word. Yeah. Literally, I figure. Them. I mean, you're rolling at that point. It's just okay. Let's go tee it up tomorrow. Let's go. Zip, zip. Tell us, hey, you know where we're at. This is what we got to do. Um, you know, we were without our catcher and our first baseman in that national championship game. So it was, let's go. You know, you got nine innings to go get it right. And honestly, we felt kind of good moving into that. That was we were just like, hey, man, let's go. Uh, Kind of one, you know, national pitcher of the year, and Robbie obviously loses that game before, but we had we have a bulldog and Drew Gillespie. We were like, hey, you're gonna go get us. We honestly expected three goes and gives us, you know, four, almost five. But yeah, there wasn't. You didn't need to say much. I mean, at that point, 
what what am I going to say? It's honestly best at that point to shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Was this team different than 2018? Yes. What, yeah, what, what were the differences? Well, you had well your possible big leaguer and Johnny Bermudez on Friday night in 18, right? So obviously the two national pitchers of the year, both years, obviously, I guess, have a national pitcher of the year and you can win a national title. Um, but they uh, different. So 18 was really good defensively. Um, so we kind of, we played to that strength a little bit. We can run, we're a little bit more athletic uh, this year. We were terrible defensively, but we could slug it and, and spin it. And then we kind of mixed and matched. So it was, they, they were two different teams where like 18, we just knew that the ball was on the ground. You were out. If you put it in the, like you were out, like, and we pitched really well. And offensively, we just, we scrapped and we competed and we had enough firepower in the middle of the lineup. We could make it happen where this team, it was just a lot of firepower a lot of puzzle pieces on the mound and prey on defense. Yeah. Driving more than you let in. That's how it was as a player. I, I appreciate the guys that are really good offensive players and just kind of scrape by as best you can defensively. Cause that's kind of what it. I was. I didn't love him, but it was, it was who we were, man. That's it. Didn't love it, man. We just, the guys, we just, we, we wore it. It was the best is, is this group, right? They just, they bought into it too. We just had a conversation in the middle of the year. Like, guys, I don't know what to do with you defensively. Our, we got our infielding guy panicking. We got a million ground balls at one point. I was like, let's just accept the fact that we're not very good defensively. Yep. And let's just eliminate mistakes and let's score a ton of runs. And that's yep. just, we kind of realized, hey, not much we can do. Half the time when the ball got hit, you were like, oh, please catch it. And then it worked out. What has NAI meant to you? I mean, you've made a great career at the NAI level. What, you know, what has it meant to you? It means family. Um, that's just it. I mean, it, it means family, you know, obviously been at a lot of levels. Um, obviously you're going, Hey, am I stuck? Am I not stuck? I don't think that that's the word in the NAI. It's a lot of opportunities to be home. Yeah. Um, a lot of opportunities to, you know, and, and I've always been that way. So listen, man, I played junior college ball, I've coached and I've been all over, but like it, for me, it was a big thing of like, what, what, what can I do to, to win games um, and not have a ton of, you know, unwanted pressure and I could dictate my own happiness um, and I could be home with, with, you know, my family, obviously there's always the competitive side saying, Hey, can I do it elsewhere? We all say that. Right. But at the end of the day, when you sit down and relax, you're like, do I really have it that bad? Right. I get to go coach and, and help develop young men um, and, and have a chance to compete uh, and to win national titles and coach in an unbelievable area. Right. Like it's like, I got two kids now and being here with the NDI has been, it really means more family for me than anything. When I think about it, I think, Hey man, like I get to get to do what I love, but I also get to be, you know, with my family as much as I choose to be with them. Yeah. When did you get to that point where it's like, okay, I, I dictate my own happiness. I think that's a key to a fulfilled life is that when, when you finally when get to that point is like, Hey, I'm dictating what, what, what external influences dictate you know they don't dictate my happiness i'm dictating my own happiness so believe it or not you know i think we all put unwanted pressure or pressure on ourselves to win right because for some reason in, in this game we all validate ourselves on championships yeah. um, which we shouldn't i um, mean i did um, when i was young i validated myself on how much when we won a lot of games we went to world series and sterling and i really believed that i was only you know going to be judged or my happiness to be judged enough. We won championships, um, which was the dumbest thing I've ever had in my life. So then we won the championship in a national title in 18. And immediately after I was like, well, that was it. Yeah. Like that would like, what, like I did all of that for that. Like what, what did I justify? So it was at that moment, I just realized like, you know, like I'm, 
I'm, I'm going to dictate my happiness. I'm not going to let them dictate my happiness. I'm not going to let this whole surrounding dictate my happiness. Now we all get caught up in a situation where like the happiness still gets pounded in coaching and, and things like that, because at the end of the day, if they don't play well, your happiness will be affected a little bit, but nowhere near as much as it used to be for me. Now it's just like, if we lose, I'm just, I move on wildly fast. I'm like, hey, let's move. Where before I hung on to it, but I think it was, you know, in 2018 after winning a national title, which I would challenge anybody listening to this, don't, you don't have to win a championship to realize that you don't have to win one to dictate your happiness. I mean, once I realized that, man, I started having much more fun with my family, um, people around me. My, I just, I don't care as much. My so what meter went way up here and I just, I'm like, Hey man, let's go develop and have fun. Let's love on these guys a little bit more. And honestly open up the doors for me to love my players a heck of a lot more before I was that guy that was like, kind of, I was on you. I rode you. I wanted to make sure you understand what you were doing. I was every waking moment. And I would tell you, I love you in passing right now. It's like, nah, man, I tell you, I love you all the time. Care about your well being. but Hey, along the way, let's help each other. What'd you take with you from Bethany? And you're Bethany for a while. So, I mean, what'd you take with you from Bethany? Finished there, played my last year there, and then uh, coached with with Matt uh, at Trammell. And obviously he left, and I went to Clarendon with Mike Silva, which is now the head coach at Nickel State. So me and Mike were at Bethany together, and then me and Mike were at Clarendon together. So um, I honestly took from there because the guy gave me an opportunity. Um, I I took from there, one, he taught me how to recruit. uh, Matt Trammell did. That's one of the best guys I've ever been around recruiting-wise. But I took from there just the grind and figuring out how to literally not be afraid to get told no because you were in the middle of nowhere with nothing. And I'm waking up at six o'clock in the morning and stilling the keys from the maintenance department because they didn't want to mow the grass and I'm stilling the mower and mowing the grass and then calling kids and substitute teaching. So I learned from that, like, this is, if this is what I want to do, I got to grind and can't, like, I'm just going to have to call, 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 call. And that, a lot of that came from Matt, where Matt and, you know, even Silvo being about the same age, we were kind of learning that together was just like, hey man, like, let's just, grind figure it out and things aren't always going to be great if this is what you want to do and it was honestly one of the more valuable lessons i've ever had i wouldn't change working there because there was nothing there and it made me want to work harder to get to a place where i didn't have to do it as do as much yeah similar to clarendon um yeah similar not much going on a little bit better at clarendon than bethany um Obviously, Mike gets the job, go with Mike. And so you've got a guy that can really, really coach on both. You know, I mean, you feel like you're pretty good at it too. But yeah, similar. Yeah, getting kids from Texas and Clarendon. Um, so, you know, you're on the, in, the, on the, in the car sleeping in your car for a month trying to find all the players. But yeah, very, very similar. You know, you, that was the, the benefit of Clarendon is you learn the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh, from as about as north as you can get, you found every player you could possibly find because you just flat out weren't getting the good ones. If you wanted a dude player from Dallas, he ain't coming to your place. Um, so you had to find him everywhere else from Australia, Canada. That was very, very similar. Just middle of nowhere, got to work and go figure it out. And then ton of success at Sterling, ton of success at Southeastern. I mean, when, when did you feel like, okay, this is the blueprint for us to go compete for a national championship? Uh, I mean, I feel like that was kind of passed on to the people that I've worked for. I mean, I feel like they kind of guided me into that. Um, then you just, you know, obviously, then you, then you took what you've learned and, and your work ethic and you figured out, hey, this is what I got to do. Um, and that was it. I mean, but a lot of that has to go with people that you've worked for and you take the goods and the bads and here's the blueprint. You've been enough people that have been enough winners that you're going, hey, man, they, they kind of showed you it. Now just go work. Um, go work and you, you find your niche and – I think that was one thing I think that I had to do at Sterling because that's also was in the middle of nowhere was 
we didn't chase certain players there. We didn't chase what everybody else. I went and found players that were different than everybody else and developed different than everybody else. And that was kind of my niche. And I told him when I ever got a job where I can get the dude players, I'm still going to do that way. And that's kind of where I felt my blueprint was, where I feel like some people at the time were doing it different. No, I just like, I want to be different. And I said this before my goal in coaching was always to be different than everybody else. I wasn't trying to be, I'm not trying to be everybody else. I don't want to be everybody else. I want to be us. And if it's different, then it's different. I don't, it's just who we are. How early in the fall do you talk about winning a national championship or do you talk about it all in the fall? We don't. Yeah. We don't. Just, that's it. Um, we don't bring it up. I mean, the guys want to stand through the recruiting process. Hey, like you're coming here to win and compete at a high level. Uh, and obviously the expectation is to win national championships, but we're not, there's never been a conversation where we sit there and just hammer on them about winning a national title. There's never been a conversation going, this team's out working you. We don't like, no, we, we show up. Here's our times. Here's our weights. Here's our indies. Here's our stuff. And we're going to get better. And then we're going to go do us. Um, we felt like we recruited good enough players just like other people have. And you better go compete. I, I think that's the worst thing to do personally. If I'm just saying national title, national title, I mean, I'm not talking about anybody else. I don't worry about anybody else. Um, we just go compete. Do you feel like the hitters have caught up to the pitchers finally in college baseball? Yes. It's crazy, isn't it? You look yes, across every level of college baseball now, there's some gaudy <laughs> offensive numbers being put up. So we talked about this before this morning when we were in our, our little meeting with my coaching staff. So like, and we kind of did it this year and wild enough, I think it might've been on the best pitching staff that, Say yeah, three, two, five ERA is nothing to shake a stick at. Like those are oh, that's great. great. Punched out the world, right? And and obviously you see like Tennessee Wesling with the great pitching staff. Those guys, but what we did is so I had you know team last year we had five guys that were ninety five plus. We had a kid touching one hundred and one. Um, so you were kind of mapped out in there trying to you were trying to match all this explosion with explosion. And I just after last year, was in the middle of the year, I was like, you know, we can't. Let's let's do it different. So we actually went out and tried to find every single left-hander or right-hander that was 88 to 91 they could pitch. And that's what we did. And it ended up being, like, if you walk people, we just weren't that interested. Um, and it became, it actually kind of helped us minimize that, you know, with the hitters being, I wouldn't say catching up. I would almost say, like, passing the pitching. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we would have 95 and they would just sit on fastballs and hit it out of the yard. So we changed it and rolled from there. But yeah, it actually made our life a little easier having more guys that threw strikes. Um, where before, you know, had guys going 96, you know, we got Heisman with Padres. He'd go out, he'd go games where he was 98 to a hundred. Well, especially if you're going to make airs defensively, like you can't, you can't do both. Like you can't make airs and then also oh. walk out. Like you can't, like you have to minimize free bases somehow. So if you are going to make errors defensively, that's fine. You just got to limit on the pitching side. Or if you can really pick it, then you can get away with some pitchers that that walk some guys. It's just you just can't do both. Well, yeah, walks are is walks. I mean, if, if you're walking six, is giving up six hits, yes. right? And if you can't hold the runners, it's six doubles. Yeah. And so you're going, hey, man, like, let's just take our chances of we're going to force the other team to be better, and I think that's it. But, I mean, heck, even now, I mean, the offense players are just so good. Um, and it's even in, in our level in our league, they're really good, right? It's the best league in the country at our level. So you really can't afford to give up free passes because the minute you give a free pass and the next ball leaves the yard, especially in our yard, we don't play in a very, we hit a very hitter friendly ballpark. 
So we have to make sure that we eliminate as many free passes as possible, which we didn't do that very well in defense this year, but uh, we struck out enough guys to offset it. How do you handle that with your pitchers, though, with the offensive park? You know, do you have many conversations like, hey, you're going to give up a home run here and there pitching? Like, it. it's just part of it. They get it. We recruit, we recruit the way we recruit to our park. And that's different than I know people say that they recruit offense to their park. We don't recruit offense to our park. We recruit offense to bigger parks, um, but we recruit pitching to our park. Um, and that's it. Like, we're like, hey, man, like, when you look the numbers or you watch, you're like, hey, how's that going to work? Because confident you're going to get destroyed. But we, our guys just kind of understand that, hey, man, that you might, that ball ain't leaving this time of the year, but at our park it will at this time, right? But then obviously you're in Florida, so if the wind blows in at all, it ain't going anywhere. So you do have the other side of it, but yeah, it's just, we find guys that fit our system um, that we can train to strike guys out because the more guys you strike out, the less it has a chance to go over our, our fence. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something you thought was going to sidetrack you, but looking back now was one of the best things that happened to you? In my career? Yeah. Or life. I mean, it could be a life thing, could be a career thing. You know, do you have a fail forward moment? Oh, I think I have one every year. Yeah, um, I do. I mean, I think there's something that, that that's in there every year, right? Whether that's something at, at home, you know, getting ejected in a game and you're, you're, in the, you're in the principal's office, you know, having that conversation or, you know, just family stuff or, or different opportunities. I think that there, there's something every single year. Um, and I wouldn't put it on one because I think there's so many things that, that we all have that you're like, man, like, was that good or was that bad? And then you realize it was good for you moving forward, right? Did I miss here? Uh, did I handle that situation wrong? And I think that there's honestly one thing a year. But if you want to be honest with you, it's just I can't put my thumb on one. Yeah. Do you have set morning or evening routines? I know you're busy with your job and then family. Do you have any personal routines, habits that you like that you feel like help? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a routine-driven human being. So obviously it's every morning. I got a dog and I love that one, dude. So if once when that dude gets up, snuggles me, then I got the kids and I get them dressed, but it's the, it's the same, uh, same routine with, with the kids at kind of almost every single morning. So I am a, I might be over the top family guy. Um, honestly, I mean, it, it is, I mean, that is priority number one for me. I don't, this whole thing that we're doing here, I love and I love them, but like they are without a doubt, my kids are my, that's it. It's the end all be all for me. So it's a routine with how I get them ready in the morning. It is. And if I don't do it, I feel kind of out, out of whack, right? When we were on the road, I would still have to get up early three hours to call the kids. Um, but yeah, it's, that for me, it's the routine inside of my family. Yeah. I mean, what do you hope for your kids, your own kids personally? What do you hope for them as a parent? That they're just loved. Yeah. That's it, man. I grew up without a dad until my stepdad came along. I just want, I mean, I just want my kids to be loved. I don't, I don't, Look, successful lives, I don't care what they do, how they do it, as long as they know they're loved. Um, and they have, and that's really all I genuinely care about, man. I just, 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 I'm just, I want them to be, them to be happy and know that they have plenty of opportunities to be successful. But at the end of the day, how successful will be as long as they know they're loved and they have people, family that's there that cares for them. That's for me, that's, that's all I ever hope for my kids. I don't have a thing. My kid plays ball, my daughter plays softball and dances. And they do that. I don't ever once go, hey, you gotta get, gotta, no, man, are you having fun and do you know you're loved? That's it, man. I want them to be good human beings out in society. Honestly, that's my biggest hope for my two my yeah. two kids. Every day. They're good. Tell my kid beings. every day. Same thing. I said, dude, all that matters is be a good dude. Yeah. Tell him all the time. I drop him off this morning at a, you know, he does a little workouts in the morning. He's just 10, but he's a, we're in Florida. So I think you got to work out when you're 10 years old and hit weights. And so 
what they do. I'm dropping them off. And it's the same thing we tell them all the time. I tell them every day when I drop them off at school, I just said, hey, they go win the day uh, and be a good human being every single day. Be a good dude today, man. That's it. And it's the same conversation. I always tell them, what are you, you going to do? Be a good dude, man. That's why you just tell dad, I'm going to be a good one today. It's just be a good teammate. Be a good. We don't talk about it when he, after the game. How are your teammates? And I'll give the kid a little credit. I think it's working because he doesn't ever bring up himself until he talks about everybody on his team first. And that's all. really all I care about is like, hey, man, do people like you? And are you fun to be around? Um, and if you're not, then I'm going to let him know. But that, that's I'm sure you do the same thing. I just want him to be fun to be around. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best advice you ever got from somebody? Oh, golly. I've had a lot of, lot of good advice. Um, you Honestly, I'd say this. Probably from my mom was shut up. My dad, too. <laughs> yeah, right. You're not the center of the universe. I got told that at a very young age from my father. Like, you are not the center of the universe. That was it. And I used to think that I can give you these famous, like, these quotes. And I've had people say these things to me that, you know, like, and I tell my staff all the time, I, I always tell them, why do you care so much? Right. I talk to them all the time. Why do you care so much? Like, you're not, you're not defined by this. Like, and I talk to my staff, stop. Why do you care so much? But the biggest advice I always go back to it. I've had plenty of those around me because I've worked for, been around a lot of people. My mom, my mom was shut up. Okay. Like this is, you just, sometimes you need to shut up and let things work out. And I was like, yeah, that's unbelievable advice. At the time you're like, that was rude mom. But it was just, hey, shut your mouth, listen and see what happens. Two ears and, was, and one mouth. That was it, Two it was just shut up. Mouth. And it kind of, cause you know, when we're all young we always wanted to say, it was like, shut up and listen. Yeah. And that was probably the best advice I've ever had. Very simple, but it was the mess. And now I just shut up sometimes. Yeah. Did you ever get bad advice? I think we all get bad advice. We do, don't we? Why do we all get bad well, advice? I, I think part of it is everybody's situation is different. Like you're 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 not the same as somebody else. So and, and I they're not trying to give you bad advice. It's just it that advice doesn't work for your own personal situation. No, so. I've had I get it. I probably get more bad advice than I do. Yes get good advice and it's just what do i want to take from that advice i think that's that's just for all of us i think that i've had plenty plenty of bad advice right? i've had plenty of bad advice on jobs you know like i've been doing this for many for a long time and i get asked the same question every time when are you leaving and going to division one when are you leaving and going to division one i'm like it, that, that doesn't matter yep. like oh listen this is what you could do with your life and i'm like well i mean would it be cool to see if I could do it at that level? Absolutely, right? That would be that'd be great. But like at the end of the day, I'm like, is that bad advice for for my current situation? And like, well, if you do this, no, no, no. Like, what about my now? What about where I'm at now? What about other people that's affecting around me? Not just just my family, but you know, my friends, my neighbors, you know, my coworkers. Like, does does it affect them? And so you get that all the time. And people, but I think a lot of people when people give advice, it's how can it circle around to help them. There's always something in there for somebody is how can it help them? And that's what you got to realize real quick. But like every time somebody, most of the time people give advice, it circles around to how can they help themselves? And so I always try to find a, well, my circle is very small. And I, the benefit of my job is I see every level of college baseball now. And there's really not a lot of difference between yeah. what I just saw at the super regionals last weekend, what I saw in Edith, Oklahoma, what I saw in California, what I saw in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, it's really not a whole lot different. So any coaches out there that are, think the grass is greener, it's it's really not. Like you probably have a really good situation where you're at, and every level of college baseball is good now. And I think that's it. I mean, here there are so many frustrations that I have throughout the year um, with some of the things we do or that I do or we don't have. And you're like, man, if I could just do this, and then you start to realize, wow, that's a 
they're dealing with a whole different load of problems. Yes. Um, and, and depending on what your problems want to be, right? I work at a level and I work at an institution that like, I don't got to worry about being fired yes. every single year, right? There's some stability in there. Um, I've got an admin that, that, that loves me, that they let me do my job. They, they trust that I was able to do my job. They trust that I'm able to put a plan on the field and, and we're, and it just, you know, we are a, we're a Christian institution. Um, and we aren't like by name only, we are a Christian institution and it, it is a big thing for us. And I, and that's one of the reasons I work here. I mean, it is certain type of kid, certain type of human being where like, I got to make sure that I stay in there, which I love. We got to make sure we do that. Where these other places, you're like a bit greener over here, but like, Hey, I can't talk about my faith if I'm there yeah. or if I lose here, I don't have a job. Right. Or I might be gone way more if I'm here. So I always think that we get caught up in the fact that it's, Hey, do I, do I always have enough? I mean, I don't matter where you go. You're never going to have enough. They can be in a power five. Right. And now it's turning into a facility war. Yes. So yes. I got to keep up with Arkansas. I got to keep up with, you know, Alabama. I got to keep up facility wise where I wish we would grow on those facilities, but like, then I'm going to be everything else. Right. Yeah. So I think that there's problems no matter where we go. It's just find out what's, what's the good. Um, what goods do you have? Like I told you, I work at a great place, beautiful campus, and I'm located unbelievably well. <laughs> Anything you'd like to see out of NAIA going forward? I mean, the regional format changing probably helped, right? I mean, did that did that help for you guys with the regional format? Well, we went back this year. Yeah. Um, so we went back. I, 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 I think that we need to figure out a way to our world series can be a little bit different. I think at times, um, I think that there's, there's some changes I think that need to happen there. Um, that's a grind out there, but it's a it, lot of games, right? It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of uh, games. It's crazy. And it's jumping all over yeah. the place. They're in grand junction. It seems like Lewiston and grand junction are the two brackets that when you look at it, it's like, Oh, wow. That's a, there's well, a, there's a lot going grand, on. Listen, I can understand grand junction. Yeah. I, I know what's going on here. I have no idea what's going on in our bracket. I mean, I say it all the time. Like there's games where after you win, I don't know who I'm playing the next day. And the yeah. committee walks over and says, Hey, what are you wearing tomorrow? You're the home team. I'm like, who am I playing? Right. So yeah. I've been there, you know, enough times to really kind of figure it out. But if you're new, you have, it's just kind of, it's all over uh, the travel up there. Is, it's a lot, but I, I wouldn't say, I think that that's ever growing. And I think the people in the front office over the family, I do a good job. Yeah. I think that they identify those problems and they do a good job working through those problems. And I think that that could be enemy. I can complain about D2, right? I can complain all I want. You could be in D2 and they just finally changed it a little bit, but like you ain't seeing Tampa get flown out to Indiana to go get a little different. They're still going to have to grind it out against St. Leo and these other guys. So there, there's the negative, the positive where in the NAI, our regional setup, you can go anywhere in the country and they're going to try to make sure that you've earned your right into brackets. So complain all we want about our World Series. At least we're doing it right in our opening rounds, our regionals. What are some final thoughts or something I should have asked you that I didn't? Oh, God, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Um, final thoughts, man. I just appreciate you, you know, doing what you're doing. Obviously, I think that this, the platform that you have, able to reach out to a lot of people and, and give people like me an opportunity to, you know, just talk about our program and, and who we are and in our faith and, and things that you're doing it would be, I just said, thanks for guys like you, man. I really do think that it's invaluable. I listen to a lot of these um, when I'm mowing, mowing the yard. I listen, there's stuff I pick up. And I mean, that's kind of changed just, you know, just my path as a coach, just by these things with guys like you that have allowed that to happen.
appreciate it, Adrian. Thank you so much, man. This is awesome. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, dude. As the old saying goes, winners win. Coach Dinkel has a phenomenal track record and is also a great person. Success does leave clues. Congrats again to the staff and players of Southeastern University on their national championship. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Jim Richardson, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter and TikTok at coachb underscore abca, Instagram ryanbrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.